1: Thank you so much for talking to us and listening to us this past year. Our audience has grown way beyond what we had expected when we started on this journey.
0: If you like what we do, please consider rating us and writing a review on the platform you use to listen to High Theory. Many thanks in advance.
1: Hello and welcome to High Theory. Today we are talking about Squid Game with Kyung Kim. Kyung, would you mind introducing yourself?
2: My name is Kyung Kim, author of a new book, Hegemonic Mimicry, Korean Popular Culture of the 21st Century. And I also wrote a Zoom play, The Math Debate, which is available on YouTube. What the heck is Squid Game? Squid Game is Netflix uh, drama that was uh, and still continues to be incredibly popular o- o- uh, over the internet uh, worldwide. And uh, it's based on a children's game that used to be played. Uh, in Korea, and uh, I uh, used to play it myself when I was younger. Also,
1: briefly, could you give us like uh, what the original game was about?
2: Squid Game uh, introduces actually uh, I don't know five six different variations of children's uh, games. I think it there is there is a definitive kind of Squid Game that in the in the uh, if you actually watch the episode, it's the it's the final episode where where they play uh, kind of a jump uh, skip kind of a game, uh, escape game, uh, sort of like a rugby uh, variation in Korea. And then uh, it also introduces uh, five or six different games like Dakji, you know, which is the flipping of the cards uh, to marbles, green light, red light. Um, All of these are, um, you know, uh, games that Korean children do play uh, that has been transformed into a very bloody, right, uh, competitive Mm. games that contestants, uh, sort of the disposable people, uh, mm. quote unquote, uh, do end up playing uh, in Korea.
1: Quid Game is being talked about in the same conversation as uh, Parasite, which also, you know, was did amazingly well, and the conversation about class critique in both of these cultural texts. So I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about, you know, what this particular moment in the history of korean cinema is speaking to
2: i think the background of the two two contents I, one is a feature film parasite and squid game is obviously i just said a netflix drama uh, i right. believe nine episodes uh, incredibly similar in the ways in which it approaches uh socioeconomic you know problems that korea faces because of you know intense competition that rises out of uh, neoliberal liberal capitalism and so that's the setting and then uh, you know, using that as a bleak kind of a backdrop, they unfold the drama, which mm-hmm. is focuses on you know the the battle between like interestingly enough, not between haves and have nots, but between right. two halves, which I think is very pivotal in thinking right. about a, the deeper, profound issue
1: of what. Uh, today's society is like. So my next question, and however you want to interpret it, which is how do we use Squid Game?
2: I'm beginning to give talks on Squid Game that ranges from I think not just in terms of thematics and the content, obviously yes. of the of the critique of neoliberal capitalism, but uh, thinking about today's culture that is about social media driven and how the streaming content, no longer the film, right? Uh, seems to be the, the strong, obviously, narratives that drive certain cultural engine worldwide. And what is it about Netflix that operates out of, you know, uh, as you're probably in 150 countries? Uh, why, right. What does a $500 million investment in South Korean film industry right now by Netflix mean? What does it mean that there is a global and local Kind of politics being played out, all of those things I think, you know, are Mm. challenges that people want me to address uh, when it comes to understanding of Squid Game.
1: Within the Korean film industry in Korea, not, you know, Korean uh, movies as is propagated outside Korea, in Korea, outside of Netflix, uh, how are those same conversations about class critique happening? Korea
2: has always been, uh, very driven by class inequalities and uh, critique of neoliberal capitalism in South Korea, right? Obviously, uh, North Korea is a whole nother different uh, set of uh, issues. Uh, South Korea Korea stories have have always been propelled by, okay, uh, there is this kind of frustration and irritation uh, that has to do with inequalities. How do we address it? And I think Korean cinema especially has been one of the vehicles to introduce some of the stories that uh, arise out of this, um, you know, uh, social injustice, if you will. Korea's had uh, a a very long tradition in this. And it's it's because Korea has always been perceived as this kind of country of outsiders, you know, a sort of shrimp that is caught between two whales. You know right. that you got China, Japan, Russia, and then you know now United States a heavy player over the last seventy five years, and I always perceive itself you know to be David. You know that is that is uh, that has to go up against Goliath. That's I think what drives some of these stories uh, mm. to be again you know a fair uh, fairly uh, uh, you know a, a plausible stories about again a battle. Uh, that is happening uh, between haves and have-nots and, you know, different kinds of uh, uh, issues of social injustice, right?
1: My final question is, how will Squid Game save the world?
2: It can't, but, uh, you know, I mean, nobody... or you know, not many people who actually watch this uh, Netflix series will, at the end of the day, you know, finish the episodes and go, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up a copy of uh, Das Kapital, you know, Karl Marx, <laughs> right. uh, and uh, become communist. That's I don't think what is likely to happen. More likely to happen is you know they'll they'll go to Amazon site and, and order themselves, you know. Different merch that is out there available on Squid Game costumes, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, savoring in and, and cashing in on more, you know, capitalism. But yeah. I am hoping. I mean, at least it, it starts a conversation. I'm, I'm this is like a, you know 20th interview that I'm doing on Squid Game. Okay, <laughs> and and, um, and I've done. I mean, this is probably I, I don't do very uh, many uh, podcasts, mm. but I do a lot of uh, you know mainstream media. And so even in mainstream media, I would say, well, they they'll ask me, uh, is this a critique of neoliberal capitalism? And I'll say, yes. So there is a recognition just on those very terms that, you know, it's not a it's not a complete cop out. Uh, It it is, yeah, variation of these kind of survival, you know, game format uh, narratives, dystopian narratives, if you will, you know, the Hunger Games and whatnot. So you got you got that going on but there's definitely right a real sense of okay this is not right yeah so uh, hopefully uh it it does you know make us better aware of the inequalities that are out there and you know perhaps a start a conversation is what I'm what I'm thinking that it has the power to do
1: Absolutely so I know that I've asked you questions about uh, Squid Game but I can't let you go without asking you about your new book, Hegemonic Mimicry. We will, of course, link the book in the show notes. But what can you tell us about hegemonic mimicry, Korean popular culture of the 21st century?
2: Well, in a uh, hundred words or less, <laughs> I, <laughs> sure. would, I would say that it is about trying to understand why Korean popular culture out of different national popular cultures that have been out there outside of uh, Anglo-American, right, popular culture, mm. have been probably the most successful in the, in, over the last uh, 20, 20 years or so. You know, by far the most recognizable and visible popular culture, uh, even even though it actually does speak a language that is not English or Spanish or, you know, French, those major languages, right? Uh, and it's not just K-pop that is probably the most famous among the Korean popular culture, but as you can see, there is, uh, uh, you know, at least a handful of Korean films that are that are, that have become uh, exceptionally popular uh and mm-hmm. almost uh you know uh, a very common familiar name to uh even average Americans. And uh K drama, K cosmetics, you know, K food, all of those things uh becoming obviously commonplace, you know everyday encounters even even in, you know, boondocks of America. So right. uh why and how it got there is uh, my primary concern in the in the book it uses uh two terms uh since since you you're running a more of a you know audi- your audience base is more you know again high theory i uh-huh. the term uh is a combination of uh a theory of hegemony that is uh, driven by you know antonio gramsci mm-hmm. uh, which says uh every uh hegemony is uh you know constructed through you know uh, negotiation uh, rather than coercion and then uh, mimicry is a, a concept that i've uh, gotten from uh, homi k baba which is post colonial theorist who uh, right. argued yeah. that every time uh, a colonized tries to repeat and model his, him or herself after the colonial powers uh there's a there's a mimicking going on but that mimicking always creates a gap or a disjuncture right between mm-hmm. um the hegemonic you know colonizer and then you know the subjugated colonizer uh, I felt that over the last seventy five years uh korea has undergone a such a you know in many ways i mean yes post colonial experience but one that is neocolonial experience also with Americans, right? Being a totally occupied, you know, militarily, economically, and culturally. And so this is one of the things that I thought was, a, you know, theoretical rubric through which I can examine
1: Korean popular culture and the success right. over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. Brilliant. And, you know, I can't wait to read the book. Thank you, Kyang, so much for coming to High Theory and talking to us about Squid Game and your book,
0: And thank you for listening to High Theory.
1: If you like our podcast, please review and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon, or wherever you get your podcast fix.
0: Sharonik Bosu manages our social media presence. Owen Quinn composes our theme music, and Kim Adams and Sharonik Bosu edit our audio.
1: You can also find us at hightheory.net.
0: We hope you have a highly theoretical day.